Hello and welcome to The Register. I'm Caleb. I'm Blake. And we are going to talk about a monumental album, in my opinion. And I feel like a lot of people kind of feel the same way. Uh, this album, like, really changed things up, like, in the mid-90s. Like, you're in the middle of grunge, and then here comes this thing. <laughs> Doesn't sound anything like that. That's for sure. Uh, today we're talking about Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Nine Inch Nails formed in 1988 in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Trent Reznor is basically Nine Inch Nails. He works with other people, other producers, band members. But, I mean, it's like his baby, per se. You know? Okay. So he is essentially Nine Inch Nails. Uh Today we're going to be talking about The Downward Spiral, which came out in 1994. Like, the first album came out in, like, 89, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pretty Hate Machine. It was like a baby. Yeah. came out. Yeah. And th then there was, like, an EP, and then this. This was their sophomore album. So pretty crazy that it got so huge. Um, the, the song, uh, sorry, the album uh, produced two singles, March of the Pigs and Closer, their probably most popular song. And uh, it actually reached number two on the top Billboard 200, and it sold 119,000 copies its first week, and it sold over 400 or four million copies in the United States alone. So oh. pretty successful. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, um, it's kind of a crazy album. It's a concept album about a man with like internal conflict. Okay. And talks about the problems with society, like religion, politics, things like that, and how he's kind of consumed with it and can't escape it and things like that. And then he talks about how he deals with said issues and problems. Some of these songs, the lyrics were just absolutely wild. Yeah, they are uh, <laughs> very provocative, yeah. I think would be a good word. Yeah. Um, explicit it would be another good word. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of metaphors and a lot of, like, sexual metaphors. But I feel like uh, he really drives the point home by saying it so explicitly. You know, you're like, oh, okay. It, it was such an aggressive way to say things. Yeah, it so. is. And I don't know. I, I listened to this album as a little kid, uh, basically. I mean, I think I had it in, like... 95 or 96 it came out in 94 so i mean i i got it when it was fairly new and i would have been like 12 11 or 12 when i was listening to it i wasn't supposed to be listening to it but i did but uh yeah this song uh i guess let's see this album came out when i was like what like five six mm -hmm. like so i i did not <laughs> listen to them until yeah. much later in life yeah that's probably good yeah uh, I've seen Nine Inch Nails live one time uh, during the With Teeth tour up in like Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it was crazy. It's one of the loudest shows I've ever been to in my entire life, and uh, I would love to see them again. They're one of my favorite bands of all time, and um, this album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Really? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. As far as album goes, it's at least top 20 of my all-time favorite albums for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think this thing is a masterpiece from start to beginning. Um, you and I have very different views <laughs> on this album. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I, I know this isn't like your taste per se, 
but uh, I know you're open-minded and willing to listen to stuff, so I'm very interested to see what you have to say about it. That's for sure. All right. Um, so, okay, I want to hear, like, when you first, like, you press play, what were your initial thoughts, like, just hearing the first song? Um, my first thought was, like, what what is that noise, mm-hmm. you know? And then I kept listening to the first song, and I don't know. It was okay, but I I don't know. I was just like, man, this is a, does this set the tone for the whole album? <laughs> yeah, like, it does, uh, for sure. Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't bad. Definitely not something I would listen to, mm-hmm. but um, I'm glad you suggested it. So cool. Okay, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, the first song on the album is uh, it comes in really strong. It's Mister Self Destruct, and that's kind of like the. I mean, that, that obviously it's the opening of the album, but it's the opening of the story as well. You basically have a character, uh, a protagonist, and then you have like this kind of inward self thought thing called the Ruiner, which he talks about later on in the album. But in the the very first opening sound, you hear this. It's an odd sound. It's been distorted and manipulated and stuff. But it's actually, um, like from a film, it's a THX 1138. A man is being beaten by a prison guard. And that's a sample. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of samples from movies and things like this. And uh, it's hard to kind of tell what they are because he has done so much to them and stuff. But that's one thing I like about this album. This album is layers upon layers of calculated noises, drum loops, synthesizers, piano, acoustic guitars, bass, guitar. I, I mean, it's everything. Say, yeah, that's one thing I did notice about this album was there was a lot of different things mm-hmm. going on at once. Mm-hmm. And it can go from like a completely chaotic, uh, disorganized kind of sound and then go right to like an acoustic part with like yeah. melody and some, like, synth in the background, like, whispers, and then go right back into it, like, just as hard. Yeah, that definitely threw me off a couple of times, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I've listened to this album probably over 50 times, I would say, in my life. At least. I'd probably say, like, 100. But um, anyway, I really like this song. Uh, it is, I don't know, it's really interesting. And, it, like, the story is what really, like, sells it for me. Uh you know, the, the voice inside this main character's head is talking about all these things that the character can't escape. And you'll hear the um, antagonist. It's throughout the album you hear um, he does this distorted singing. That's the voice oh, talking to him. Oh, okay. So in this first okay. song, there's a back and forth. Um, it's kind of It kind of explains it like right from the get-go. Let's, let me pull these lyrics up just real quick. Um, I am the voice inside your head, and then you hear in the distorted vocals, and I control you. Yeah. You know, I am the lover in your bed, and then the voice again, I control you. So, I mean, right from the get-go, you see what's going on. This is very, um, I don't know. I guess I I thought the whole, like, production of it was very ahead of its time for 1994. And that's a great point because— it doesn't sound like it's from 1994. No, not at all. Like, uh, he was obviously using, like, the best equipment he can use. 
Um, and this was like, pardon me if I'm wrong, but like pre, like everybody having Pro, tool, pro Tools in their living yeah. room, you know what I mean? I don't know if this was recorded on tape or not, but if it was, that's even more incredible. But yeah, it doesn't sound very dated like at all to mm-hmm. me. Maybe just a little bit as far as electronics go, but that was a long, long time ago. So this second song, uh, Piggy, I love this song. It's so cool. Uh, the bass line. I don't know. It's just after coming out of that first song, it's so aggressive and everything, and it slows down to this. This song's pretty cool. Um, the singer from, uh, what is their name? Filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Nine Inch Nails first. And um, he, this guy, Richard, wanted to work on his album and do kind of his things more. And that really pissed Trent Reznor off. And he wrote this song about him. Oh. Um, like a little piggy and stuff. Richard found out about it and then left the band. Oh, wow. Like during the recording of this album. You know what? I would have liked this song a lot more if he wouldn't have said pig so much. He, I think that's the whole point of the song just driving it in his head how like what a filthy little pig you okay. know this guy is well message received um <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i liked the you know like musical part of it yeah but uh the pigs just him repeating pigs over and over was way too much for me yeah i like it and that's like uh yeah just driving the point home i don't know i I, it's hard for me to talk bad about this album because I love it so much. I don't really have a bad thing to say about it. Okay. But I can see how people wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, let's get on to the third song, um, Heresy. <laughs> uh, this is a, a quote like straight from Trent, Rez- Trent Reznor. He said, uh, I was trying to explore some of the paranoia I have as a sexually active person in the age of AIDS. I guess I feel cheated for not growing up in a more liberated area at the same time what gets me mad is uh, the way the right wing has used the convenience of this epidemic in helping to promote their own agenda so the song is um you know it comes out like god is dead and this and that and um he's not necessarily talking about god if you hear that, so he uses the distorted lyrics again, and this is the antagonist like talking to him. Yeah. But what do you think about the album? Um, this one was just okay for me. I know I noticed that like he sung this one in a higher pitch. Yeah. Which was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of this one. No. Nah. Uh, I like it, but then again, like I said, I like every single song mm-hmm. on this album. So. On the, the fourth song, March of the Pigs, this is the protagonist, and he's surrounded by, like, fake people in his life. And, like, from the lyrics, it says, uh, take the skin and peel it back. Now, doesn't it make you feel better? Yeah. Talking about, like, people, like, revealing their true self. Yeah. And stuff like that. And, uh, you know, how society is, like, superficial and all that bullshit. Um, interesting song. It's in a crazy time signature, and it's it can be hard to follow. Yeah, I was, that's what I uh, wrote down for this one. It's like, you know, you have like your third song mm-hmm. and then it's pretty tame, I guess. And then it just goes right back into <laughs> just wild. Yeah. Chaos. And it's interesting that this was a single because it is so 
like the time 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 signature is so weird. It's not in four four. Um, it's got a, like a crazy drum part and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the song. I like the live version of it. It's pretty crazy. Um, they just like destroy everything. It's <laughs> 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 a Nine Inch Nails is known for like having their keyboards re-glued together every night. Oh, seriously? Yeah, they're pretty wild. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, on the fifth song, probably their most popular song as Nine Inch Nails, Closer. Uh, it's a it's a meditation on self-hatred and obsession. Trent says it's, it's super negative and super hateful. It's, I'm a piece of shit and I'm declaring that and if you want me, here I am. And he's like, uh, I didn't think it would become a frat boy party anthem or a titty dancer anthem either. And I know I've, I saw an interview a long time ago on MTV where he was talking about how uh, musically the song is so great, but the lyrics were crippling and he wish he hadn't had wrote it like that. Did he just not like what he said or? Um, he just thought it would be more well received if he didn't say like, you know, I want to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> like, <laughs> they play, it gets radio play and stuff. Obviously it's censored, yeah. but. I love that song. Yeah, me too. It's a great it's, song. It is. And it's talking about a song with a million layers. Like, it is just so cool. And how something can be, like, melodic and dynamic like that, but it's just essentially noises put together. Yeah. Uh, the vid- video is really cool. I know at the time it was, like, one of the most expen- expensive videos that there was. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah, it spent a lot of money on production. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely my favorite song on the album. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. It's um it's a great song. I have just heard it a lot, a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and um I can do without it, but that's just me being jaded hearing it a million times. It was a nice little surprise for me because I didn't really care for the first four songs and then this came on and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> now I have something nice to say. Yeah, and like we talked about before, um, with concept albums, when songs are taken out of context, it doesn't really work. This song works, but it, I think it fits better in context with the rest of the album. Like, it has its place for sure. On the sixth song of the album, Ruiner, uh, this is what he's talking about. This is like the voice. This is like the internal monologue. Um, Ruiner continues uh, character's discussion on both God and the Ruiners. Uh, parentheses, like a metaphor for those in control of society and their power. Trent says, this was the hardest song to write. I have such a bad vibe from this song now, from it sucking in so many different ways. Uh, it's actually two different songs like put together. That's what I thought, too, because at, mm-hmm. at one point, I think like maybe three minutes in, I was like, is it did it did the song switch to a different song? Yeah, because it was so different from where it first started. Mm-hmm. Well, you picked up on it because heard it from the horse's mouth he said it <laughs> two songs like basically taped together or whatever glued together but not a bad song um i like it uh i believe doesn't it go into like a weird like acoustic thing like right in the middle of it yeah and then comes back into this hard like drum like heavy drum sound yeah it was definitely an interesting choice interesting arrangement is that the correct word to use yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm learning all these terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, on the seventh song album, or on the album Becoming, the screams that you hear, like, throughout the song is from a movie, Robot Jocks. 
and uh, it's this giant robot that's falling into a crowd, and he took that sample and like manipulated it. Okay. Um, you know what? I think I would have liked this song a lot more if that part wasn't in it. The only thing I focused on the whole time I was listening to that song, mm-hmm. I could hear the screaming yeah. the whole time, and it kind of distracted, I guess, my brain mm-hmm. from actually listening to the song. One thing that Trent Reznor is known for and um, that he achieves really well is making people feel uncomfortable with his music, but it being, uh, like, great at the same time. But you you always have this, like, uneasy feeling. Like, this doesn't sound right. It fits, but it shouldn't sound right. Yeah, because I was very uncomfortable listening to this song. (laughs) I was like, all I kept hearing was just screaming. Mm Mm-hmm. And that threw me off. I probably would have liked it a lot more without it, but yeah, wouldn't be that song though. You're I, exactly right. It'd be interesting to hear it without it if you could take that out. And I don't know. I've never, I've never had that thought. Uh, is it my favorite song? No, it's not. But uh, it wouldn't be the downward spiral without it. That's one hundred percent for sure. Turn my page. <laughs> On the eighth song, I do not want this. Uh, the character has lost like complete control, like at this point, and the character being like it's obviously fictional, but he's, I mean, obviously, I think it's part of him. You know, he's going through shit with like drug abuse and just depression and whatever. I don't know. I think he had a hard time dealing, like being famous. He was pretty famous at this point. Um, but he was in a, like a really dark place, and that's where the character is, and it really shows in the song. I mean, the title's like, I do not want this. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you like this song at all? No. Wasn't, what? No, wasn't a fan. What didn't you like about it? Um, like the spoken wordy yes, type stuff? I don't like that in anything. I don't think I've, I've heard one spoken word that I've liked yet. Maybe it'll come. Maybe it'll happen. But this one, I did not like it for that reason. Yeah. that, I, Like I said, I, I don't love it or anything. But, like, um, the way he does it, he kind of, like, puts them, like, in the background. And it's really, like, instrumental, like, mm-hmm. over the top of it. Like, so I don't know. I can deal with it. On the, the ninth song, this is a pretty controversial song. Um, Big Man with a Gun. You hear, like, in this sample, it's uh, it's like a porn star having an <laughs> orgasm. And I did you, not like this one. If you really listen to it, like, you can hear that. Uh, I didn't know that's what the sample was, but I was listening to it on the way here, and I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, it's not, it, it, it's not what, like, it's a giant metaphor. During, uh, like, the mid-'90s, um, conservatives were trying to pigeonhole Nine Inch Nails it, into like the rap genre mm. and he's like we're not fucking rap like yeah it's got like electronic drums and has beats and stuff but like we're not rap and this kind of was a song against them um what, uh, what an interesting choice of words to yeah yeah uh use. We don't have to talk about the lyrics so much. They're kind of vulgar. and But if you want, like, definitely look them up and uh, see what it's all about. But Trent says, uh, I had written these lyrics pretty quickly and didn't even know if I was even going to use them. Um, the, the downward spiral builds 
in a certain degree of like madness, then it changes. That would be the last stage of delirium. Uh, the, the original point of the song was madness. Um, it was also making fun of the whole misogynistic gangster rap thing. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. It just uh, it was it was a lot. Uh, it, what? It is. It's super aggressive and like the the visualization he's giving you. But again, like he's really driving the point home. I mean, I think if it wasn't aggressive, it wouldn't right. do the job. Yeah, and you're right. The visualization of that is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but again, like it just works. It fits. This is like where the song needed to be. Um, like the character spun out of control, like complete madness or whatever. But this is where the story starts to change a little bit. On the 10th song, A Warm Place, um, this functions as like a sliver of hope before the protagonist ultimately like succumbs to the inhuman voice in his mind. And that, you know, inhuman voice being like that, the static driven um, vocals you hear throughout the album and stuff like that. Uh, I like this song because it, it, uh, it kind of sneaks out from like nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was definitely like a, a, what is this doing, doing here? Yeah. It kind of, it, it kind of acts as like a pseudo interlude between um, the last song and the next song, uh, Eraser, mm-hmm. the 11th song on the album. The character has uh, been entranced by these obsessive thoughts uh, guided by the voice of, like, the ruiner. Um, He realizes that all these traces of happiness are gone, and the only way to destroy his internal monster is to kill himself. Oh, my gosh. So it takes a pretty dark turn. Yeah. uh, Which I can imagine if you're hearing this constant voice inside your head and you can't get away from it. I mean, sadly, I mean, seems like that's the only way out, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's only a few songs left on the album. The The next song is one of my favorite songs just because of the buildup. I've seen it live, and it was amazing live. And then uh, the chorus on this song is, I think it's really beautiful and powerful. Like, it's it becomes really loud in the song, and um, I love it so, so, so much. And this song has a really cool sample, too. It's taken from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original one. Hmm. Uh, this woman's falling down a hill. And he took that and <laughs> yeah. like put it into the song. The lyrics on the song are pretty um, rough, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, talking about like a, a lady like opening herself up and like inviting insects and stuff like that. But uh, not uncommon as... <laughs> Compared to the rest of the album, I liked it better than the, better than most songs on the album. Mm-hmm. I like the like it feels like um, it's just machinery. You're hearing this machinery noise mm-hmm. all through the album, and this song feels like it has like more momentum, like a war machine moving through like a town and just destroying. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I visualize, just like huge tanks or something like that, crushing cars. Yeah. And, that's a very good visualization. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not about that, but I mean, I just it just sounds so huge, epic, monstrous, whatever you want to say. You know what? Um, a lot of his songs remind me of is like, like vampire movies. You know, like Underworld. 
Yeah. And like that whole like what is it? Like the techno goth scene or yeah. or whatever that's mm-hmm. called. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. I like it. It's cool, but Yeah. He uh like he does a lot of synth stuff and he listens to a lot of drum and bass stuff like that. So you can definitely hear it in mm-hmm. the music and stuff. And uh he works with other producers and some of the producers just produce like one little piece of the song. So they may have made like a drum loop for it or whatever. Oh, okay. So, that's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, there's two more songs. Uh, number 13, The Downward Spiral, the the title track of the album. Uh, the Alter Ego is encouraging suicide at this point. And this robotic voice has, quote unquote, like taken over. And the protagonist rational is taking over the protagonist's rational human side. And it's the final like descent into madness. Yeah, this... Uh... I wasn't a fan of this one, but was because this kind this one kind of sounded like spoken words to me also. Mm, yeah. Um, was this like song about like killing yourself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. Well, then I got it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and what an appropriate title for the uh, song, like the downward spiral. Oh, absolutely. And the album, I just think it's so cool. The the final song, the fourteenth song on the album, I love this song so much i always thought it was a single because you hear this song a lot too when people think of nine inch nails they think of like closer and hurt and uh man it is just so huge sounding like it's soft you got some acoustic guitars and things and then these pounding drums come in and just layers and layers and layers and then it goes back to like quiet soft and then comes back in again uh i don't think there could have been a better ending like to the album Mm -hmm. this song really gets me emotional and i like to listen to it when i'm sad um this is when like the main character has like attempted suicide he survives and realizes that was the wrong choice and then he can still fix everything um yeah, I just I, I love this song so much and uh people also know this song because Johnny Cash covered it. Yeah. And a lot of people prefer that version over Nine Inch Nails for some reason. I like it. I would never, never, never recommend it over Nine Inch Nails version. Um they wrote the song. He he knows how he wants the song, but even Trent Reznor said um he was like iffy about Johnny Cash doing the song. Someone gave him the video and he put it in one day and he's like Oh well, I guess this isn't my song anymore. Yeah, like he really liked it, and it is cool. But you know, Johnny Cash is really old and like feeble sounding, and he just gave it like another vibe or whatever. But yeah, that's what I noticed too. There was different, definitely a different feel mm-hmm. when it was done by Nine Inch Nails and when it was done by Johnny Cash. Yeah, it's the same song, but also two totally different songs to me. It is. It was almost like Johnny Cash died, like, not too long after that. And it was almost like a goodbye. Yeah. Like, mm. Oh, that's spooky. Yeah. Especially if you watch the, the video, it kind of gives that vibe, too. But, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this song. It is just, like, I don't know. And then it just fades out into, like, guitar noise and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's over. And there's a deluxe version of this album with a few other songs on it. But uh, they don't really contribute to... Um, 
the rest of the album, so we don't talk about those. But overall, like, would you give Nine Inch Nails like another chance, or are you like they're not my thing at all? No, I'd give them another chance. Because I would. Their albums do sound different. Like, their first album sounds completely different than this. Like, all the albums sound different. So. Yeah, yeah. I I like their. I like their. Um, I don't know. I guess like vibe they have. Yeah. I guess that would be the right thing to say mm-hmm. um i don't necessarily like all the lyrics but i would give them another shot based on how much i like the song closer and how much um i'm trying to think what's the right thing to say how much i almost liked their songs yeah because okay. i think that I'm, I might like something different from them if it if it gets different as they progress. And I really like Trent Reznor's um, voice. So. Me too. I just think it it's not the perfect singing voice. No. And it almost sounds flat in certain parts. But I think that gives it a character. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would. I'd give another album another shot. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I pretty much like their whole discography. Their newer stuff sounds completely different, and it's almost like not Nine Inch Nails. Like, it doesn't—I don't know. When I think of Nine Inch Nails, like, I think about, like, this sound. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe I sound closed-minded by saying that. But anyway, this is—for me, this is an incredible piece of work, a solid, like— Nine and a half out of ten. Whoa, that I think that's probably the highest rating yet. It's so good. Like this album, I I I discovered this when I was just discovering music, like really discovering it. Like you know, um, again, not from like a little kid being like listen to your mom's albums or whatever or your dad's. It's like I would sit with my headphones on, like read the lyrics, like deconstruct the song like listen to all the parts and pieces and it just grabbed a hold of me i don't know uh and back then i didn't know this was a concept album i just thought it was cool sounded great so and it got me listening to other things like uh marilyn manson and ministry and um skinny puppy and just different bands like that so they're a big influence on me it's awesome and they stand the test of time in my opinion too so Anyway, great album. Check it out. Uh, let me let me ask you this: since you kind of like it, don't like on a scale of one to ten, what would you say? Uh, Your opinion. Don't feel bad about it. Okay, this was like a two or a, two? a three for me. That yeah. was worse than Sparta. Yeah. Wow. Damn. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I didn't have high hopes either. I yeah. know this wasn't like your cup this of tea. Is, this is not in my wheelhouse of things that I normally listen to. This was very. Um, out of the box for me. Yeah, for sure. But I recommend, like, uh, if you're having thoughts of listening to it, go ahead. Like, grab some good headphones and sit down and just listen to the whole thing. Take the hour or whatever, and uh, you figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Bye. Bye.